One more time, let's just lift our hands to heaven. That's a scriptural thing. We're surrendering to him everything. Before the word of God goes forth, there's got to be a complete surrendering or the word of God's not going to do any good for you. Come on, open your mouth now as we lift that hand and say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender heart, mind, soul, and spirit to you. There won't be a miracle unless you surrender to him. Life will stay the same. But today it could change just by you lifting your hands right now and saying, God, I surrender to you right now. My heart, my mind, and my spirit to you. By the authority of the name of Jesus, we pray today in Jesus' name. Oh, there's such a beautiful spirit of worship here. I want us to take Sister Peggy Austin to the Lord, that God would touch her. She needs a miracle in her body. And only God knows what is not right, what needs to be corrected. But I know God can heal. If you would, lift your hands one more time and pray with me. Jesus, we call her name before you. Touch Sister Peggy. Touch her body. Pray healing power to flow right now in that body. In the name of Jesus, whatever's out of alignment, out of order, I speak order in that body. Creative power into that body. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. And I thank you by faith that, God, you will respond to the cries and the needs of your people. That's your promise. That's your promise. Remember, no service tonight. We have a young adults uh, meeting tonight. They'll be getting together. There will be no Sunday night service tonight. Remember Monday. We don't announce it every time, uh, but hopefully you're remembering. Monday is our church-wide fast day. I'm asking everyone, every Monday, uh, let that be a, a concerted uh, effort by the congregation, us together, to fast on Mondays and be consistent in it. You say, well, what are you doing that for? The only reason we're doing it is to keep our flesh at bay. Fasting is for the flesh. It's not to beg God for a miracle. It's to deal with my flesh. If you can tell your flesh no, then you just open the door that God can say yes to some things in you. So remember fasting tomorrow churchwide. That's every Monday moving forward. I'll try to remind you, but hopefully you'll take note of it and just let it come from the heart. You know, that you just buy into it. And it's not we dangling anybody over hell if you don't. I want it to be a part of our heart, a part of our culture, of our church culture. This is what we do because we're apostolic Pentecostals. God bless you, Sunday school. You're dismissed. <clears throat> We've got Sunday school for all ages. I think it starts at 3 all the way up till college and career we've got a class for even them and after that you stuck with me in the big church with big people to hear big things of the Lord hopefully some things you know I love Sunday school what we're trying to do is, is get the word of God in them at a very early age we're trying to teach it on a level that they can comprehend it, understand it. And uh, that way when they do get older and they stay in the adult class or the adult service, their, their spirits are already uh, adaptive to the moving of the Spirit and the Word of God. If you got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, starting with verse 20. I'm going to read two scriptures. And Sister Beth, I'm going to give you a few to write down here in a minute. Matthew 9 and 20. Behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind, touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may touch his garment... I shall be made whole. But Jesus turned about and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Turn over to Luke chapter 8. Same account. 
But Luke gives us a little bit more detail in his wording and verbiage that I, I like. And the woman, verse 43 of 8 of Luke, the woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living on physicians. She'd gone for broke trying to fix the problem. Neither could be healed of any. Sometimes life gets you in a place that no doctor can fix it. I don't mean I discount it. I did my best to reach for them and get their help. But sometimes we need just God to show up. Verse 44, she came behind, touched the border of his garment. Immediately her issue of blood staunched, stopped, ceased, dried up. Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee in press, and saith thou, who touched me? Jesus said, somebody's touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. The woman saw she wasn't healed. She trembled, falling down. She declared for all the people. Because she touched him immediately, she was healed. He said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Thy faith has made thee whole. I'm not going to preach this, but it just sounds good. Had a multitude of people. And they were rubbing and touching him. And none of them got a miracle. But what he said, you touched me. It wasn't a touch. Her faith. So would it be plausible to be in a crowd to not have faith? The answer to that is every man's got a measure of faith. The answer is, is you acting on the faith. You got faith, but faith not acting upon is dead. The key is taking the faith I have and not letting nobody stop me from getting my miracle. Before I give you the title, I'm going to ask a question. Who in here today needs a miracle? Now hold on before you raise your hand. Who needs a miracle? Whether it be financial, your kids, your family, relationships, marriage, healing, mind. I just gave you a... Now I'm going to ask it again. Who needs a miracle? Should be every hand in this building. Now if every hand just went up that needs a miracle, and I do, I need a miracle. You say, well, I don't want to wear out God. That's self-righteousness. God is not taxed by your need. God's not exhausted by your need. God's got more in supply that he ain't even used. Habakkuk says that. He's got more in reserve that you ain't never seen that he's fixing a loose out on his people on this end time. Question is, do you have a miracle? Yes, I do. Then God's here today to meet the miracle. If you would, lift your hands one more time. God, speak to me through your word today. God, I need your help. Help me to deliver your word as you gave it to me. Let it be clear. I ask you for a spirit of revelation, understanding to come. But more than that, the carnal mind is subject to no law. I'm asking you today that human will that is in reserve, not wanting to move. I'm asking you today, whatever the fear is, whatever the inhibition is, whatever the cause is, let your words so saturate the human spirit that it would bend and submit to you that a miracle could come and they could see how much you care for them. I ask it today in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. is my assignment of the Lord is to give it in the form of a statement. The position for a miracle. The position for a miracle. You know, we have, being in southwest Louisiana, we have been around Jesus a lot. Being around here, you have been around church a lot. 
I asked people, probably you can go talking to people through the day and you probably would find it a rarity to find somebody that has never been to a Christian church. They've had some form of religion, some form of uh, hearing about Jesus in South Louisiana or this southern, what we call the Bible Belt. I don't know if we claim Texas. We're just not sure they're saved yet. But we know Louisiana is. But you know, you hear all of this, but what, what, what good is it to hear it but not partake of it? And I feel here today is, is not only, I, I said before, the assignment, the title, I gave you that, but my, my, my challenge today is to try to work through the infrastructure and the microfibers of every neuron and axon that makes me and your brain click, tick, oppose, accept. I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not attempting to be such but I am here to declare that Jesus is still a miracle worker. And whether you and I have seen a miracle or not doesn't change the fact he still raises the dead and cancer is no match for him. Fear is no match for him. Suicide is no match for him. Dysfunctional families is no match for him. If you get Jesus in your midst and you can raise your faith to touch him, Jesus can do anything for you before you leave those back doors. But the contingency is not him. The contingency is getting over the numbness of hearing this over and over. Getting over the inhibition to should I move, should I not? Should I respond, should I not? And then we begin to filter it through our little brain and say, well, I did already and it didn't do nothing. I did that one time. I came to an altar. I repent, but my life never changed. You know what I've learned about God? Something real simple. Sometimes God wants to know how bad you want it by your consistency. I'm not saying you can't get a miracle today before you leave one time instantaneous, spontaneous manifestation of God and boom, everything's done in one second. But if he don't, will you still come back again? It could be the contingency how you answer that, whether God's going to do the miracle. Are you consistently hungry saying, God, whether I get my miracle today or not, I'm still going to serve you. Whether you fix my problem or not, I'm still... God's more interested in whether you're going to serve him. You and I can go to heaven blind... I can go to heaven with a disease. I can go to heaven without an arm or a leg. But you can't go to heaven if you haven't served him and obeyed him. But the mind, the challenge, and I, I address this often because it's the often problem we all face. Past, troubles, God not answering yesterday, God not answering your prayer yesterday, God not fixing it because you've been asking, you've been faithful for 20 years and it hasn't come together yet. And we allow that to become the filter on a spontaneous reaction right now. I believe with all my heart that God watches the consistency of people are you in it just for the fishes and the loaves or are you in it for the long haul? And to them that are in it for the long haul, I will tell you countless stories of the blessings of God being poured out on them. Where doctor says there's no hope, miracles come. Where the, where the banker says there's not a chance, the banker changes his mind and financial blessings come. But it did not come because of they did something at that particular moment other than they took their faith and they exercised faith and said, God, whether you do it or you don't do it, I'm going to serve you. Whether you bring about a miracle or not, I'm not going to let people offend me. I'm I'm not going to let people's opinions stop me. I'm not going to let the public majority sway me into something that opposes you. But I'm going to stick with you. Right. 
Why does it always take crisis to get us to Calvary? You need to tweet her that. Because that's a good thought. Why does it take crisis to get me to Calvary? Why does it take problems, Sister Cat? To get me to Calvary and repent and change. Why does it take a... Your teenage daughter turning up pregnant. Why does it take your son getting hooked on alcohol for you to change and go to Calvary and surrender all? I'm not preaching that, but boy, that would preach. Here's this little lady. The Bible says she had an issue of blood. We all got issues. And anybody that says they don't have an issue, you can tell them I said they lied. I said it. I'll say it again. They lied. We all got issues. Many of us, our elevator don't go to the top floor. As much as we try, it just don't get there. Why? Because we got an issue. And we don't want to face the issue. This woman had an issue. I'm not preaching about that, so don't get nervous. But this little lady had an issue. And here's what was so unique about her issue. Issue of blood. She exhausted everything to try to get an answer for her issue. She did everything in her power to try to figure out what's the answer to my dilemma. You ever been in a place where the doctors can't fix it? We always go there for a physical. But you ever been in a place in your marriage, in your home, that you really don't have the answer of what to do? Only the self-righteous says no. That's all of us. You're raising kids, and in this hour, it would be a good thing for you to say, I don't know what to do. And it'd be a good thing for those of us that's unraised kids and they've moved on to say, I did some things wrong. I should have did some things different. That's just being honest. And this woman had exhausted everything and her back was against the wall. Now, I'm really trying to slow for a minute here because I want you to understand how hopeless and perilous it is. When you got somebody or something that's stubborn and won't move. You can't make anybody do anything. You can't coerce them. You can't manipulate them. That's witchcraft. And when that entity, person won't move or that problem won't move, you become exhausted, tired. And it's in that moment you're the most vulnerable to walking with him. Your relationship with him is at, I would say, a critical place. Because now he's not moving, so logic's going to kick in and say, well, it must be God just don't, God just this. And our faith begins to grow dim. Say, well, how do you know that? You can tell it in a praise and worship service. Where there's no praise and worship, faith has grown dim. Numbness has set in. The stereotypical just come to church service has already kind of set in. And faith has become to, to just kind of flicker. This woman is at that place where there's no modern medicine. There's no antidote. I do not believe that Jesus just happened to show up in that town by accident. But everything and every encounter, whether it be Jarius' daughter, whether it be the centurion that he met, whether it be the woman at the well, he showed up because he gave you and I an opportunity and a glimpse to look into a story 
that you and I can tie on to and say, if she was down in her faith and she had no answers and it seemingly was impossible, there's still a position I've got to maintain if I want to see the miracle that God said is mine. Sometimes you got to fight. Did Calvary purchase your miracle? Yeah. Your fight is not for the miracle. Your fight is for the position. Because everything under the sun is trying to knock you out of the position and tell you it will never happen. It's trying to bump you out of your position and tell you life can never change. My family can never change. My marriage can never change. My relationship with God will never change. I'm here to declare to somebody, he's got a relationship for you. He's got a walk that he wants you to walk. But you got to quit feeling sorry for yourself and give up on yourself. Pick up your faith. Take a step into what God has and hold your position. But you see, all this Christianity has numbed our minds. We think Jesus is associated with a sign outside. We think Jesus is associated with a certain body. I'm gonna say that again. We think Jesus is associated with a certain body. Just because they say they are the church don't mean Jesus is there. Because I've been in many churches, I didn't feel one lick of Jesus there. I felt demonic. I felt sorcery. I felt addiction. And Jesus wasn't a million miles. You say, well, he's omnipresent. He's omnipresent, but he wasn't manifesting himself because there were not a believer there that would yoke with him and say, I believe in you no matter what, and I'm going to serve you by obedient to your commandments. Jesus shows up, Brother Mark and Tell, because he wants to give you and I a caption of a lady with issues, Sister Liz, that were hopeless according to reality. I tell somebody again today, I want, I want you to hear it loud and clear. Reality's telling you one thing, but I'm giving you the answer through the Word of God. Of what the supernatural is saying. And you're the valve by which it determines. Is the miracle going to come? Or is the miracle going to just be a story I hear about from a preacher for somebody else? Or will you have your own story of what God did? And the Bible says that this little woman around a multitude of people pushed through. I say here today in a group like this, ever been to a big mass of people somewhere? I don't know. I'm trying to think where would be a mass of people that I can even recall I've been, but you know what I'm saying. You're in a mass of people, a sea of people, and you're trying to get through. Ever been like at a, a, a what? Yeah, I can't meet him. Full of people. And I'm just trying to get to the door. Now, I don't want to be carnal here, but let me, let me just slip it in. If I ain't eight in five days, and that mass of people stopping me from a hot dog or a corn dog, I'll dance on your toupee. I'm hungry. I'll try to be a Christian, but I'm hungry. My point to it is, is hunger makes you push. I'm trying to get through. Why? I'm trying to paint this as accurate as I can in a time frame. Come here, Micah. Come here, Kyle. Come here, Dill. Come here. Come here, Brother Sean. Come here. Come here, Aaron. Come here, Kyle. What's your name? Rufus. Boy, come over here. Luke, get up here. Stand right here. Stand right here. Y'all get right here. Stand right there. Stand, join, come here, close, close, huddle up. Right here, close. Come in here, Michael. Come on, Brother Sean. Stand. You get to luckily be Jesus. Come here, Tyler. Stand right there. Stand, don't move. All right, right there. Back up, back up. Back up, back up. Right there. Now, 
This is a woman. This ain't some huge bodybuilding on steroids, five-hour monster drink, hyped-up cocaine meth dude. Am I getting your point? You get it? This is a little bitty woman. Hold on. With a blood problem. I ain't no doc, but here's what I know. When you ain't got no blood, you're weak. When you ain't got no iron, you're weak. She did not come on top of the mountain. She came down already. And she's looking across that crowd. And she sees Jesus over yonder. And she said, I can't get there. And here's what many of you are saying. I can't get a miracle. I can't get there. I'm too tired. I'm too weak. I'm too beat down. My past is too great. My addiction is too strong. I'm going to say what he said to the gathering. There ain't no drug addiction. There ain't no alcohol addiction. There ain't one addiction can stop you from getting to Jesus if you want to get there. If you're not delivered, it's because you don't want to be delivered. That's why we sit so kind of just comfortable there, just snug in a bug. You don't want deliverance. You'd rather keep causing hell in your family, your, your relationships, and put your family in torment. That's free. I won't say that nobody else. But I'm after something right there because you sit on these pews, and God's after time and saying you got a miracle. And here's a little bitty old woman. You'll stand in judgment against her. Weak. A woman showed you up, sir. I made him mad on that one. And he goes, I can't get through. I can't. How am I going to make it? My situation's going to kill me. My nerves are shot. My family is shot. I don't know how I got this, but I didn't ask for this problem. I didn't ask for this situation. And she's trying to push through. And she can't get there because the multitude is great. Her issue is great. Her family problem is great. But that little lady that was weak pushed through men. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Your faith can push you through no matter what the obstacle is. You've got to quit looking at the problem and say, I need a miracle. And I'm going to position myself for the miracle. You don't think there were big men? But that little lady pushed through the masculinity. I can go even deeper. Back in them days, women were cast down. They were disregarded. Thank God we don't do that today. But they were disregarded. And she, her issue in her faith said, I don't care what culture says. I don't care what the public says. I don't care what people say. I don't care. You may know my past. You don't think she had a past? And, and those men, well, there's that little issue woman again. Don't she know? We got bigger fish to fry with Jesus than to deal with some silly woman that's got an issue. Just let her die and be done. I'm here to tell somebody here today, he's counting on you pushing through whatever obstacle it is. He's counting on you saying, I'm with you, Jesus, for the long haul. I'm not stopping now. Whatever I can do to be right with God, I want to be right with God today. I want there to be a difference in my life. I need a change. And she pushed through to Jesus. Turn around. She came behind him. She came behind him. She didn't come to him face to face. You know what it tells me? She came in humility. Humility that says, I need a change in my life at whatever the cost. Don't let our kids suffer 
don't let the business suffer. Don't let your family suffer. When all I've got to do is get in position. Here's what I'm wanting somebody to see. Heaven is fixing to bust its dam, its reservoir of the supernatural on you. Like you, and all God's asking for is get down on a knee, get down on another knee, put your face down in the carpet and say, Jesus, I've done it my way, but I want to do it your way. I've done it how I thought was right. And all it's led me to is problems and trouble. But today I'm going to position myself for a miracle in my family. See, something's uncomfortable right now. I feel it in the spirit. And here, let me, let me give you just a little lesson here, just real quick. I've got authority over demonic spirits. It ain't got nothing to do with the demonic spirit. It's got to do with the human spirit. The carnal mind is subject to no law. The carnal mind is in enmity with God. Your will is bent against him saying, I'm not doing that. And you know what? You're entitled to that. But you're not going to get a miracle. And I'm going to prophesy to you. You got more trouble coming down the road that you ain't got enough money in the bank to handle. Don't wait till crisis pushes you to Calvary. Now, here we go. I love this story because this woman, sister Becky, Here's what he was saying. Now, y'all, I'm going to slow down. Can I slow down just for a minute and talk? Many of the Jews, their robes back then. Y'all stay with me. I'll go quick. But please stay with me because this is important. I'm not just giving you fun facts of Hebrew. The Jews wore robes. Many times they were rounded. Eventually that changed. And they began to wear a garment. It's what many times they say Saul had. Saul and David. Saul wore this garment. The word skirt. David said, I will not cut his skirt. The word skirt translates border. Go a little further. We go into Elijah, Elisha. Elisha, Elijah had the garment. And this garment was called a mantle, but other uh, terms referred to it as a border or skirt, a garment. It, it all interconnects. But then we get to, uh, you know what? Go ahead and put Numbers 15 up there for me. Numbers 15 and go to verse 37. 15, 37. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, now watch this, I'm, I'm, I'm show you, this is what Jesus was wearing. That's where I'm going with this. This is what she reached for. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, next verse, Speak to the children of Israel. Bid them that they make fringes on their borders. He's speaking of the same thing. When, G, when, when, the, when Matthew, Mark, Luke, all of them give the account, only Luke and I think Mark, don't quote me on that part, but they use the term him. The word him, Sister Cat, translates tassels, fringes, borders, the bottom. Okay? He gave them a commandment. He said, make sure they make the borders of the garment throughout generations that they put a fringe on the borders, a ribbon of blue. Eventually they changed the blue, went to white, and another story inside of itself. Go to the next verse. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may... Now here it is. That you may look upon the fringe. Now hold on. I mean, I'm, I'm bouncing back. That's so why I said you need to really stay with me or you're going to get lost in all this because I'm fixing to spit out a bunch of numbers and you're going to be like, oh God, that ain't helping me, but it'll make sense if you just hang. She reached for the hem, the tassels. Eventually what happened was is, and this is common in, in Judaism, the prayer shawl, which we don't need no prayer shawl. We got, we got the shawl, him, Jesus. He's that. But they would wear a prayer shawl. And what they did, they went from a rounded robe to four corners. And on the four corners of that robe or that tassel thing, the four corners of it, there was a, a twined tassel on each four corners. And each thread, there were, there were eight threads each corner. Eight symbolic of supernatural. Remember that. Then from there, there were five knots tied onto that tassel. 
Five knots represent the five first books of the Bible, the Torah. So what the Jews believe. This is common knowledge. This ain't no revelation here. Five knots. In between each knot, the first knot, there were, they took that one thread and they wove it seven times. The next knot, they wove it eight times. The next knot, they wove it 11 times around. Eight, seven, eight, 11 comes up to 26. 26 is the numerical value, the Hebrew, and many of the commentaries, especially Vincent says this, what that was saying was that encompasses the name of God. And those numbers through the Hebrew and all this, I ain't Hebrew, equates Jehovah is one. Jehovah. So this lady that was reaching for the hymn, she was not reaching for God the Son. She was reaching for Jehovah is one. She went looking to him as a rabbi. That's why I say again, the greatest revelation you and I could ever get is hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Jesus was the fullness of the Godhead, dwelt bodily, not God the Son, but God manifested in the flesh. You miss that revelation, your faith is diverted. If you're constantly trying to figure out God the Father, God the Son, your faith is diluted. But when you know Jesus is God manifested in the flesh, one God, she was reaching for the God of the old manifested in the new. She knew who he was. How did she get that, Brother Darrell? That's my question. Scripture don't give me that answer. But it gets even better. The last weaving was 13. 13. The word tassel, him, border, has a numerical value in the Hebrew for 600. 600 plus 13 for the last one. This is what the Jews believe, who are one God people. There are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. 365 or thou shalt not. 248 or thou shall. I'm waiting on y'all to catch up. I told you you're gonna have to pay attention today. So when she reached for the hymn, she was saying, you ain't no rabbi. You ain't the person of a Godhead. You are God, Jehovah one. But wait. But she also was reaching for every bit that the word of God had in commandments and the word of God. And she was saying, I know who you are and I know what your word says. I'm at wit's end and the only thing going to fix me is the word of God. I need the word. man. That's why you and I, the greatest thing we could ever take part of in the end time. Study the word of God. Get in the word of God. I'd rather read People Magazine. I'd rather read Reader's Digest. I'd rather read Fox News. Fox News ain't gonna fix nothing but give you a headache. But if you can get in the Word of God, and when she reached, she grabbed the hold to the borders. She grabbed hold to every commandment. She grabbed a hold to the greatest revelation that was there. She grabbed hold to every bit that God. Here's my question I ask. Do you need a miracle? Watch. Why have we become selective eaters? I only want the word that says I'm going to be blessed. I only want the word that says my finances are going to be fixed. We can't negate those other scriptures in the commandment that says take no thought. Don't steal your neighbor's wife and commit adultery. Oh, wow. We locked in on that one right there. We don't want them commandments. We want blessing. And she said, I don't care about that. I want what your word says that I'm right with you. And that lady dropped I don't believe brother Perkins I don't believe 
because she was weak. I do believe she was weak. I do not believe she came with great strength. I believe that by the time she got done fighting that multitude, there was nothing left. Jesus was walking away and she reached with everything she had and she grabbed because she knew those tassels, those borders, that hymn represented the word and who he was. Get ready, Beth. Here we go. Stay right there. The commandment of the Lord. He said, you seek not. Why did he tell him to go after the borders and have them? He said that you don't put your eyes, that your heart would be led away to realities. You got to keep your eye on the Lord. Because this world's going to do everything in power. Say, God don't care. God can't do a miracle. God can't do it. I say again, God can heal the mind. I don't care how far it's gone. I know people that were on meth and God healed their mind, gave them jobs, moved them up in the company. They became supervisors when they couldn't even stop shaking because the meth had fried their mind. Don't tell me God can't heal the mind and undo a mistake, undo a regret, undo a sin, something you did. If I can put it under the blood... And ask God to forgive me. I'm well on my way to him doing the miracle. That's the position. He said, you better make sure you put them tassels and that the people look on them. Constantly remind yourself of the word. That's why I play the word of God in this church Monday through Sunday. You come here to pray, you're going to hear that thing running. Let it keep running. Why? I did it as a reminder to remind you and I, the word of God is our only help. The word of God is the only thing can change it. He said, keep your eyes that you don't go after the things of the world and lose your faith. Go to Malachi 4 and 2. And then from there, I'm going to close with Matthew 14. And I'll give you the verse 36. But unto, unto you that fear my name. This is the closing prophet. He's saying the Messiah's coming. Messiah's coming. And listen what he says. The power's not in the tassels no more. That's why you don't need a prayer shelf to be like a Jew. That's almost self-righteousness. Do you know that what the Pharisees did, they wouldn't take those, Brother Charlie, they'd take those tassels and they'd make them bigger so everybody could see how much of the word they knew. They wanted everybody to think they're spiritual. It's pharisaical. It's self-righteous. When everything about Jesus says, humble yourself. I must what? Decrease that he might increase. Pharisees had it backward. They said, we must increase that everybody thinks we're spiritual. I'm preaching an hour on that. But he says, Unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. You know what the word wings translates? Borders. You know what Malachi was saying? God, Jehovah, the Tetragrammaton, Yahweh, Jehovah as we know it, he comes out, manifests himself in the Old Testament. But he says, guess what? That same God that was a cloud over the tabernacle, that brought water out of a rock, that parted the Red Sea, that was a pillar of fire and a cloud, all of these things, he's going to manifest himself in the flesh. And he's coming. And here's a sign. Here's the sign. Everybody wears tassels in the Jews' day. But only one brought healing. Only one. And Malachi is trying to tell him, when you touch the hem, the border of his garment, there's going to be healing in that garment. That's why the only one name under heaven, whereby we must be saved, not God the Father and the Son, but in the name of Jesus, there's salvation in his name. There's healing in his name. So Malachi saying, there'll be healing in the border, in the tassels, in his word. Fast forward, New Testament, Jesus said, in the beginning was the word. 
And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. John 1. And the Word, verse 14, was manifested flesh. Jesus said, I am God manifested in the flesh, but I'm not leaving out the word. I am the word manifested. You ain't got to touch a tassel. You ain't got to get a prayer shawl. If you can come and humble yourself and submit to the word of God, there ain't one miracle that heaven will hold back from you according to his will and his purpose. If you need a miracle today, the position for the miraculous is I've got to humble myself at the border of his garment. He say, well, how do I humble myself? You repent of every commandment you've broken, every commandment I've broken. God, forgive me. I humble myself before you. I submit myself to you. And he says, there's healing, there's productivity, there's life that's going to come out of you when you touch the hem of his garment. So today, you say, well, you mean it's that easy? It's that simple. Repent. Humble yourself. You know, but here's the thing. We won't come to an altar, or we will come to an altar. Determines, or we determine that decision. By my responding. If I was desperate and I knew that if I responded by faith today that my son and daughter could be delivered or healed or a miracle come, that pew couldn't hold me. I remember in services, that preacher got to preaching about the miraculous. I, the pew couldn't hold me. I jumped out of that pew. I ran to the altar. I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care because they knew me, knew my past. You know what? It didn't matter. Because the miracle mattered more. I couldn't take the pressure no more of things I was dealing with. I couldn't take the middle strain no more. I'm saying to somebody here today, if you won't let that pew stop you and you won't let your past stop you or you won't let your husband or your wife stop you, but you'd run to this altar and say, God, I need a miracle today. I'm telling you, God will start doing miracles. Why? It's in the matter of the position. I submit to you today. Stand with me all across this building. <laughs> Jesus said it to her, to the group. He said, who touched me? Who touched me? Who touched me? Jesus, who was God in the flesh, knew who touched him. There was no guessing game here. It wasn't a trick. He knew who touched him. He needed the disciples to see Peter because he answers. I want to show you, Peter, what somebody can do when all the odds are against them. And impossibilities, doctors can't fix it, psychologists can't fix it, marriage counselor can't fix it, your mom and your daddy can't fix it, your grandpa can't fix it, your pastor can't fix it. You're out of options. He said, I want to show something to these boys. Who touched me? Who? He knew the answer. And Peter, quick on his heels. Are you, I mean, I almost want to say with disrespect, but it's like Peter looks at him going, are you kidding me, Jesus? He was the kind of snarky one. You kidding me, Jesus? All these people and you're asking a dumb question like that? We don't say it, but we think it. This is just dumb. Why would God ask me to roll on the floor? Why would God ask me to come to an altar? Why would God ask me? God's not asking you. He's presenting himself to see what you'll do. And this service and all the hype and energy people say, they feel in, in, in church here. That's not here for me to get double goosebumps. That's here for me to align myself and position myself with the miraculous. 
that whatever it is God wants to do in my life, I'm here today, God, for you to just pour into me whatever it is from your word, your spirit, revelation, manifestation. I need it today. So who today, I say again in close, who needs a miracle? Raise your hand. Wow. You got a lost son, daughter, family member, you need a miracle. I'm going to say this, don't stop believing for it and pressing for it. That's what the enemy wants you to do. Don't stop pushing for the miracle and being positioned because there's a multitude of flesh that's trying to stop you from being in position today. And flesh tries to stop somebody here in this service. Lift your hands right now all across this building. If you're here today and you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, altar workers, I need help today. Altar workers, I loose you. Altar workers, help me today. Look at this crowd. Hands are raised and miracles are in this place. Find somebody to pray with. They're already here to the front. Just go through the crowd. Encourage somebody. Pray with them right now. Altar workers, I need your help. Ladies, altar workers, I need your help. Come on, lift your voice right now. We first start by humbling ourselves. God, forgive me of everything I've done. Forgive me today, God, of my sins. Forgive me today, God, of things I've done. Come on, start in repentance right now. Come on, saints of God, help me right now. I got people in these altars needing the Holy Ghost today. People in the hood, they need the Holy Ghost. They need a miracle today. God's here to do it. Position yourself. Come on, fight through it. Raise your hands. Lift your voice. Just give God something that you're pushing through the flesh and the multitude. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, altar working team. Help me right now. Pray with them in the Holy Ghost. They need a breakthrough. 